We are in our series, uh, week two, uh, about the table as you are. Um, and last week we talked about uh, who our host is. This week we want to talk about who's invited to the table, who is welcomed into God's presence here at um, the communion table, and who does God welcome into his presence um, in all of life. Uh, if you remember, we talked last week, we're sort of sorting through what what an invitation looks like, and, and this week's part of the invitation is who's at the party, who's, who's invited to the party. And so this morning as we explore what 1 Corinthians chapter 11 has to say about that, let's pray for God's leading, God's presence, and God's blessing on our learning and growing this morning. Uh, Father, you have invited your people to the table. You have welcomed us through your grace and through the work of Christ to be in your presence and to partake, partake of life and of hope, partake of purpose, partake of your presence. We ask, Father, that we can feast this morning upon who you are. We can feast upon what you are doing both in us and in this community and in our city and in our world. Lord, may we acknowledge that your arms are so wide open to all who would come and that you call us to have those open arms as well. That we might live into that, grow into that, grow in our understanding of that so that, Lord, as we do, our community the body of Christ, not only this church, but the full body, looks more and more like your kingdom does. Diverse, different, beautiful, equal, and unified. Father, may we learn and grow this morning through the work of your spirit and because of the the transforming work of Jesus Christ. We pray these things all in his name. And God's people said together, Amen. I want to encourage you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to begin our reading this morning at verse 17. And before we do that, I want to give you a little bit of a picture so that you understand more deeply how Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. And in fact, this whole passage is an admonishment. He's, he's given them a, basically a swift kick in the pants because they're, they're messing this, this, uh, the table up. They're messing communion up. They're messing the meal up. But um, for us to understand more about that, we need to understand that this meal in the Corinthian church looked significantly different than what it is that we do here this morning. What you would have in the early church, you didn't have church buildings like we experience here at the river with a common room, a place that was marked and set aside for worship. Instead, what you had is you had people in the church, people in the body of Christ community of that geographic location, so here in the Corinthian church, you would have a person in the church who had a home large enough to host a gathering. 
And they would host in their home a meal that was marked by many different things. It was marked by teaching. It was marked often by worship. Many of the similar sort of things were at least in the same lines as what we do. But it was very different because it was in a home and you didn't necessarily have a common room. You had, you know, this this, uh, room over here would have 10, 15 people in it. This room over here would have another 10 or 15 people. This over here would have, have some as well. And so it was divided through a house. And certainly for those of you who know the history of the insula, an insula is a home where as children were grown up and married, you would add a room onto the home. So you had many homes which had many rooms. And each of those rooms would be for a different family member. And if you invited the church into your house, then you, you had all these different rooms that people would dine in. Well, God's admonishment for the Corinthians is that when they gather together in someone's home in order to celebrate the table or to just simply worship and spend time together, there became sort of the VIP sections. There became the important sections. If you had wealth, if you had position, if you were quote unquote part of the in crowd, then you got to sit in the living room on the nice couches. And if you weren't part of that crowd, then you in essence got banished to the kids table. You know what I'm talking about? That Thanksgiving gathering kids table. Has anyone been banished to the kids table at one of those Thanksgiving gatherings? It's like a humiliating experience, right? You go to these Thanksgiving gatherings and there's the little kids that are like two, three, five, four, five years old. And you're like 17 years old, but there's not room enough at the big table. So you get pushed off into the card table over there with the two, three, four year olds. And not only are you expected to eat, You're also expected to babysit and keep them from killing each other the whole time. And it makes you a little bit crazy when you're doing it. And what you have here is you have, in essence, not just one, but maybe several kid tables that are a part of the Corinthian church. And it's not just that you're sort of banished to a less important section, but because of how this worked, you may not even get to eat. There may have been only so much food. And if you were a part of that group, then when you finally came to get a plate of food to enjoy the family of God, there wouldn't be any left. As Paul says here, some are going away hungry while others are getting drunk. Because they were sort of slaking their thirst, fulfilling their hunger, And not leaving any for the people who are coming behind. So that's the context for this passage this morning. So I want to begin reading here at verse 17. And in verse 17 we hear this. In the following directives I have no praise for you. So we hear that this is an admonishment. This is discipline. For your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. So you probably have a church that's a diverse body, 
They've got different groups, different types, maybe even different races or different ethnicities of people. Because remember, this is the early church. Paul is doing his missionary journeys and he's talking to anyone who will listen. So you could have a very diverse group of people who would accept that we know that he, he had people that he converted who were people of wealth. We know that there were plenty of people that he converted who were people of poverty. We know that there were people who were um, Jews. We know that there were plenty of people who were not Jews. We can certainly imagine that this would have been a diverse group meeting together. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then when you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For when you are eating... Some of you go ahead with your own private suppers, the VIP table over here. That's the living room or the dining room. You're doing that separately than the rest. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I, shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. Paul is, is upset because he sees the Corinthian church exercising an exclusivity of the table. There's conditions at their table. There's conditions at their meal. If you're a part of this group, if you're a part of this section, if you're a part of this family, you're welcomed and welcomed fully, welcomed completely, welcomed first. And if you're not, then you're an also ran. Then you're a secondary guest. Then you're a person who gets the leftovers. That's not the intention for the table. Because the table is a place for those who are longing for Christ. And all that hunger are welcomed. The table is a place for all who hunger for Christ. And all are welcomed. And they're welcomed equally. And when this church is exhibiting this sort of behavior, they're living into a a, a sort of an asterisk on the invitation of God. If you have the asterisk. Has anyone ever had that? That they've gone someplace and had the VIP section? Has anyone ever had? I, I had that. We were at a luau. Kristen and I went to a luau in Hawaii with my family. We were in Hawaii for a, a, uh, a vacation, and we were there staying at the home of actually a friend of ours there who had a house there, and he said we could use our house. So we decided, uh, actually he said, he said, I, I want you to go to a luau. So we went to this luau. And I don't remember the name of it, um, but it was it was not far from um, uh, from Honolulu and beautiful spot. If you've ever been to Luau in Hawaii, it's a great thing. But we went up, and I had my uh, my uh, my name and my my credit card, and I went up to the the desk where you got to pay and get into the Luau. And I went up there, and I said, "I'm I'm uh, you know like tickets for the Luau. I'm Scott Elgersma. There have been some reservations made for us." And they said, "I'm sorry, you don't have your reservations." I said, what? What happened? 
My friend said that he had made some reservations for us and I'm here to pay and to get in. He's, they said, no, we don't have any reservations for you here. But before you, you know, pay here for your entrance, check over at that window over there. We went over to that window. Oh, yes, sir, we have your reservation, Mr. Algersma. And on the reservation was a little star. And everyone was going over here while we got in this very, very short line. Everyone over there got flower lays. We got the ones with like the super expensive flowers. Everyone else had the badge on them that was silver. We got the gold one, which meant that I went up to the bartender and said, I would like five drinks. And he said, yes, sir. Would you like them heavy or light? When I went up to the different things that they had, the the activities that you could do. Other people were handing him their credit card. I was simply walking up and taking my place in line. My kids were first for everything. When we got to the meal, there's all the picnic tables down in the bottom. We sat in the back raised section. The VIP section. And when you experience the VIP section, you look down a little bit on those other, you know, the... Yeah. You don't have my spot. You don't get what I get. You have to pay for stuff. You have, to, you have to stand in line. I walk to the front. That's not the table. Table is, everyone's here. We all sit at the raised, the raised stage. We all sit in the place of importance. We all sit in the place of love and grace because this table is offered to all who hunger and thirst after him equally. This is God's table and it is for all of us. Let's keep reading. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, and I want you to hear these words. And I want you to hear them very carefully. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this is... This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I'm going to read that verse 24 again. I'm going to read Jesus' words. Listen to them. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now listen there. There's not conditions. This is my body, which is for some of you. This is my body, which is for you who've got it together. This is my body, which is for you who aren't addicted. This is my body, which is for you who are rich or middle class or poor. This is my body, which is for you, you who are white or black or anything else. This is my body, which is for you, which is for you men or you women. There's no conditions. This is my body, which is for you. Stop. 
The table is offered. It's not just that someone is welcomed at the table. It's offered. It's offered and said, this is for you. Come and get it. You don't, you don't just pick the, the, the you're, you're shamed. So you pick the, the, the smallest piece because you're ashamed. You don't think that this in its fullness is offered for you. Christ says, no, this is for you. Or you, you think, I need the big piece. And Christ says, no, it is for you. But in the same way, it is for all. The table is a place of unconditional grace where God, the host, welcomes all who seek him that he may be found. He welcomes everyone who comes to the table. Coming to the table is an act of volition. Remember, we talked about that last week. You have to choose to reach in today and take the bread. And because we're doing it a little different today, to dip the cup, to eat it. You have to come. But if you come... And if you hunger after God, you are welcome. This is my body. This is my cup, which is for you. And it's striking to me that in our traditions, we haven't always said that. There's this thing in the tradition of this church, of of the Reformed faith. It's called fencing the table. And if you can imagine, it's almost this figurative fence around this table. Pastor Will knows what I'm speaking of here. This is the idea that when we have the Lord's Supper, we do put the conditions on it. There are conditions that you hunger after Jesus Christ, yes. But also that you are not living into a lifestyle that reflects sinfulness or rejection of God. This is actually a place where in the tradition of our church, we've exercised discipline of people who were in sin. We would say to somebody at different times in the history of the church, we even have that on our books now. If you want to look in the back of your Psalter hymnal, that blue book that we very rarely pull out here, it's in the back there. You can look under church discipline. And we call it withholding the elements. Because we're saying that if you live into a lifestyle that does not reflect a hunger and thirst, or if it does not reflect a lifestyle that gives God glory, if you are an alcoholic who is unrepentant, if you are a philanderer that is unrepentant, if you are a person who does schismatic things in the church who is unrepentant, then you are not welcome to the table. Now, certainly in my mind and in my heart as a pastor, I don't want to see anyone come to the table and say, I really don't care about God. I really don't love Jesus, but I'm just going to take this anyway. I don't want that, certainly. But as I get older and as I understand more and more about what is offered here at the table of grace, my fence is getting shorter. And it's getting smaller. Because I see this as a place where God says to all, even those who are still in their sin, he says, I offer myself to you in the fullness of my power. 
Here is my body. Here is my blood. You may not believe it. You may even, in some part of your heart, reject it. But I offer it to you because my grace has more power than your rebellion. My love has more power than your rejection, than your disobedience. My loving you has way more power than you rejecting me. So come to my table. This is my body. This is for you. Now I know for some of you that's an uncomfortable thought. I know for some of you the idea of a fence around the table keeps this appropriate. But even listen. Listen to the last point. Listen to the end of the text and what it talks about when we use that phrase that has been so often used in the history of the church to fence the table. What does it say there? Verse 27. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of Christ. You heard that, right? You hear that verse and you think, oh, wait, I can't come to the table in an unworthy, it's unworthy manner. It's certainly a good self-examination text. It's certainly appropriate. In fact, in the tradition of this church and in our faith, there have been times you even had preparation services for the Lord's Supper. You wouldn't celebrate communion on the days of preparation services. How many of you remember preparation services for the Lord's Supper? The week before, you would have a preparation service for the Lord's Supper to encourage people to what? Whoever eats the bread in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. You had these preparation services to call people to examine themselves so that they wouldn't drink and eat in an unworthy manner. And certainly, it is good for us to examine ourselves. How do you come to the table? Do you come to the table longing for the grace and the love of Jesus Christ? Do you come longing for this? However, I think oftentimes we've misread this text, this verse. So let's keep reading. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without, what is the words here? Discerning the body of Christ. Discerning the church. So what we're hearing there is that the examination isn't called to be a personal examination to check in your own heart that it's instead an examination of the body of Christ discerning the body of Christ the community of believers who is at the table who is part of what we're doing let's keep reading that is why many among you are weak and sick And a number of you fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. This judgment has consequence. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the Lord. Then we get this phrase, and it's a key phrase. So then. So then is one of those 
Little phrases in the text that you should, when you read it, say, aha. So what was said before, totally nuances, modifies is the English phrase is that we use, everything that comes after it. So we hear it. So then, what does it say? My brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. So all this about discerning the body, examining ourselves, at the end of it has, therefore, you should eat and drink together. Be in unity. Welcome each other. Live into a relationship with the community of faith so that as you live into this, And as you express this, as you are hospitable and welcoming to this, that you do not eat and drink judgment upon yourselves by limiting access to others. This passage is not just about an internal examination, making sure you're coming to the table ready to partake. It's about, are we ready partake. Anyone who's hungry should eat something at home so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. The table, communion table of God in Jesus Christ is the great equalizer. This is the table that says, if Shirley comes up here, she comes up here desperate for the grace of Jesus. In the same way that George, when he comes up here, is desperate for the grace of Jesus. And when I look at them, George and Shirley are very different people. But they come needing the same thing. Garrett Lale, back there, very different than George and Shirley, comes needing the same thing. Jim Syme, over there, very different, very different than all these folks, (laughs) comes needing the same thing. Grace, love place of equality, place of unity, no matter how different you and I are than one another, the call, the longing, the desire that we have for what is offered here is the same. And it's offered to us in the same way. This is my body is for you remember we're going to do this together this morning we're going to do this in unity and I I just want to give you a little picture for that years ago I used to go to a thing called youth unlimited conventions they used to do those they were for folks from all over North America anyone ever go to one of those things youth unlimited conventions or there's youth conventions None, none of you ever went Boy, you people are completely non-participatory. Oh, Leanne, good. All right. Nate Huker went. Awesome. Good times. But you go to these conventions, right? And these conventions are for people from all over the place. People from out east, out west. We had people from Canada, those weird folks. We had people from the Midwest. We had people from Florida, southeast. We had people from all over the place. And you go to these things, and the, one of the most most in, 
entertaining parts of those things is the meals. Because you would walk, they were usually hosted on college campuses. And you would go onto this college campus, of course they had um, the dining commons where you would go and eat. Because you were there for four or five days and you had to go to meals. And you had to eat. Teenagers who need food, surprise, surprise. Like that never happens, right? So these Everyone would come into these common dining areas and you would get your tray of food and you didn't, you maybe knew like, I, you'd go to these things and you'd know like eight, nine, ten people. But there's thousands there. I mean, there were, I think one of them, I was at San Diego State University, there was like 4,000 kids and adults there. All these kids, so you're not going to see a lot of people that you know. You're going to see a lot of strangers. So you do that thing and it's the walk of shame in many ways. You go up you get your tray, because it's uh, one of those dining commons. You go get your turkey tetrazzini, and you, you, you get your bread or whatever else you get, you know, whatever other interesting concoctions they've made in the dining hall that day. And you get your drinks, your, your little bit of milk, and of course your Mountain Dew, and you take your tray, and then you walk out, and you do that most difficult of all things. Where do I sit? Right? You see... 50 tables, and there's people laughing over here. There's a couple who are obviously starting a new relationship. You're not going to sit there. The third wheel would be a bad idea. But you're looking for somewhere that would be comfortable. And you take, and you're like, ah, am I going to see a, a, a kind eye? You take your tray, and you set it down. Is it okay if I sit here? And you'd sit, and of course, what do you do as soon as you sit at the table? Who are you? What's your name? Where are you from? And that starts a lot of discussion. What I discerned over the course of doing these conventions for years, I think I went to about nine straight, that became one of my favorite times. Because I would sit down and I would discover more about how beautiful the body of Christ was. Because I would meet Joe from Massachusetts Joe was a 15-year-old, and Joe was trying to figure out he was very pimply and gangly, like 15-year-olds often can be. He was uncomfortable, but Joe knew how to laugh, and he had one of those laughs that when he laughed, the room just became infected by it, and I sat with Joe and got to know Joe for half an hour while we ate turkey tetrazzini, and then I met Patty. Patty, this girl from Alberta, Canada. And we went through all the Canadian stereotypes together because I'm Canadian as well. And we laughed together about certain things. And I find out that just before she came, she broke up with her boyfriend. That was okay because there were some really hot guys from Michigan at the convention. So she was pretty excited about it. And, and then I met, you know, I met Ingrid. Ingrid is actually a youth leader from Florida. And Ingrid had never been to one of these before. She was new to the, to the church, and so she'd never been a part of these things. And she was in awe of everything. We talked about the worship times. We talked about the small groups that were going on. We talked about what was going on in her dorm. We talked about what was happening with her church. And in those conversations, my idea of what the kingdom of God was and the body of Christ was grew. Because I was sitting... And eating at table with people that I understood in new ways, growing the body in a different context, with a different voice, with a different age, with a different gender, with a different race. 
helping me understand more about what the kingdom of God is. This morning, you're in God's cafeteria. And this ain't turkey tetrazzini, praise God. It's bread and juice. And God says, come, all of you. Come, take, eat, remember, believe. Because when you come, you're all equal. My blood, my body, my grace is offered in equality to all of you. Come, eat together. Come, feast together. Together, come see what my kingdom looks like. Friends, in a moment, um, we're going to have two elders over here, two elders over here. This morning, we're sharing a common cup. And I know there's some of you that, um, you know, that may be a little uncomfortable for, you know, maybe even sanitary reasons. We've tried to make the bread big enough that you can dip it in without putting your fingers in. All right. We've, We've tried to do that. Make sure we're uh, giving you an opportunity to not be concerned about that. But we want you to come. Just form lines over on either side. Come together. Come with your spouse. Come with your family. Come with whoever you're here with. Come in unity. Take the bread. Dip it into the cup. You can partake while you're right up here and then go back to your seat. But as you do, here's the great thing about doing this. You're going to sit in your seat, and what are you going to do? You're going to listen to music. Music will be nice. Annalise is going to play violin. It's going to sound great. But you can watch. You can watch who goes over there and receives the elements over there. You can watch over here who receives the elements over here. And as you do, you see people who are part of your family. We're eating together. These are people who are receiving the grace and the love of Jesus Christ along with you. There are prayers that you might even offer. You see somebody up here? You can pray for Thomas. Thomas comes mourning today, the loss of a father. You can pray for him while he comes up here. You can pray for people and needs within this community that you know about. You can pray for that person. Pray that they, when they take the bread and the juice, know the grace and the love of Jesus Christ in a powerful, powerful way. You can even pray for those who are not here. The Harold and Kim Dykstras of this world who can't be here this morning because of Kim's condition. You can pray for needs that are on your heart within this community and in the larger church community because we're not just unified in this room. We're unified throughout the entire body of Christ. We all come to the table equally needing this grace and love offered. Take and eat. This is for you. Elders, 